0: Hello, and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We have an ultra-packed show for you today. We've got our review of Martin Scorsese's latest, The Irishman. We are going to do our top five Irish people, and the Golden Globe nominations came out this morning. We are going to get you all caught up on our reactions to the Golden Globe nominations, snubs, and surprises. Let's do it. Joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast with your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. I am your other co-host, Cam, and I am extremely excited for this episode. We've got a total barn burner review today. Is it safe to say that uh, The Irishman is the front runner for Best Picture?
1: It's a big, big Because I I feel like everything
0: I read, it's like The Irishman, The Irishman, The Irishman, The Irishman. Mm Mm-hmm. And, and so whenever I'm watching this, I don't know. So I don't know if this enhances the film watching experience or not, but as I'm watching it, I'm like, okay, this might be best picture. You know, that's in my head. And I can't remember. I, I, I mean, there are a couple of times I can remember being like, oh, this could be it. This could be best picture, but I can't tell you if that like helps it, makes it better or not, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but this this one is definitely what I would consider to be the front runner at this point. It's Martin Scorsese. It's Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci came out of retirement for this
1: thing. Like nine years out of retirement, yeah. came back for this. Yeah.
0: So this is a big deal. This is a big deal. Um, and it was on Netflix, which was awesome. Thank
1: goodness. Yeah.
0: It was. It was on Netflix. Marriage Story was on Netflix. I know you and I both watched that. I am chomping at the bit. To, to review that movie.
1: I know. When I told you that we should do Irishman first and Marriage Story next week, I thought you might punch me through the phone. I was heartbroken.
0: I was. Be- that you because... wanted
1: to flip it and do it the other way around?
0: Well, and here's why, Kirk. Here's why. It's not because I think Marriage Story is better or The Irishman is better or whatever. It's purely because whenever I see a movie, I live with it. Mm
1: -hmm. I live with it until something else that I see replaces it in my brain. And this is kind of the second time we've done that, because we saw Knives Out and Frozen 2 at about the same time, almost. And then now we're doing that again. We saw uh, Irishman and Marriage Story. We're just piling them on here.
0: Yeah, I know. I know. And so I'm like, Marriage Story... So I watched Marriage Story on Saturday
1: night. Same. At like midnight. I finished watching it probably 45 minutes before you did okay and i was just waiting for you to just yeah. respond after it.
0: yeah i, I want to say I, I finished it at like 1 1 a.m or like one thirty. 30
1: and yep. i was like this is
0: incredible mm-hmm. uh like the just the experience not necessarily the movie we'll talk about the movie but i mean the experience of like it's a highly emotional film mm-hmm. and i was watching it at probably at a time where i was emotionally vulnerable just because it's late at right. night on saturday You know, so it was an interesting film watching experience and I had finished the Irishman earlier that day. So like lots of different things. But anyway, the point being, I've been living with this movie now Mm -hmm. for multiple days because I haven't seen anything else since then that I'm like thinking about. Like I watched Silicon Valley series finale, but it's not like consuming my thoughts, you
1: know, that should have calmed you down.
0: Yeah, I mean it's yeah, <laughs> I, it should have, it should have. But I can't stop thinking about that movie. I can't wait to talk about it. So it's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be a good time. But we're, we've got a lot of good movies coming up for you. It's the most wonderful time of the year, Kirk. Yes, it is. And and not just because it's the 23 days of Baby Yoda memes. That which, adds
1: to it, though. This is day eight
0: when this episode releases. It'll be day nine. Who knows what both of those days have in store for us? Only, I mean, we do, but nobody else does.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And. It's of course the holiday season with Christmas and everything else going on. But most of all
1: It's my birthday next week too.
0: <sighs> yeah. Of, of course
1: yeah, sure. Let me just hold off here. This is yeah. the last time that our listeners will hear me as a twenty nine year old. Ooh, that's right. The next time drink time you it hear all me. and he's gonna be like, E hey, this is cute. <laughs> I will age eighty years <laughs> between now and next week. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's exactly what I mean, that's what I'm expecting. Is that I will come in here next week, and it'll be like that movie The Santa Claus with Tim Allen.
1: Yes. And you'll have gray hair and a gray beard. I'll shave in front of you, and it'll pop back yeah, on. It'll,
0: yeah, and I'll just be like, oh, well, Kirk obviously turned 30, so. Oh, man. Yeah, drink it in, man. This is it.
1: Enjoy the youthful tones of today.
0: Because <laughs> it's about to get a lot <laughs> worse. Um, so, yeah. Wh- I mean, good job making this all about you. but Thank you. Um, the real reason... The real reason that it's the most wonderful time of the year is because it is officially award season, Kirk. Boom. I would say that when the Golden Globe nominations come out, it is really the first significant milestone in, in award season, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And today that happened, right? Right this morning, bright and early, I woke up to it. I kind of halfway forgot that they were coming out, and then I woke up at 7 a.m. and got on Twitter, and there were all these live streams, and I was like, oh my gosh, it's happening. And so we are going to break it down for you. We're gonna jump right into it. Um, so let's let's talk about this. I want to talk about the nominations. We'll go category by category. The big categories. I mean, we're not gonna talk about. I mean, I don't want to dis. I don't want to like own any particular category and say like you're a weak category. But we're gonna go through the big ones.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: We'll talk movies for sure. We'll maybe talk TV. We'll maybe dip our toes into that water if time allows. But I want to get reactions as we go. I want to hear. What you're mad about, what you're happy about, what you're surprised about, who got snubbed, okay. all of the things, all the reactions. But first, okay, so you have to remember the Golden Globes, they do these wacky two categories. So it's possible for two films to win Best Picture, and one can win in the drama category, and then one can win in the comedy or musical category. Stupid. Because as you know, Kirk, uh, drama and comedy or or musical are the only three genres of film that exist. <laughs> that's it. And so making that delineation makes a ton of sense.
1: Thank you, Hollywood Foreign Press.
0: Yeah, because anything that's not um, a drama is automatically a comedy or musical. And that's why, um, you know, Matt Damon made the joke, jo- I think it was Matt Damon, right? It was. The hilarious, the hilarious comedy, The Martian. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Which like... It's not to say that The Martian isn't funny. That's not the point. The Martian's goal is not to make you laugh, though. Like, that, that is not the sole purpose of the film. Yes. So, yeah, it gets a little weird. But let's start with drama. Because I think a lot of people, even still, even though it's not been the case the last... Well, it's not consistently been the case, I'll say. It hasn't consistently been the case over the last decade or so. A lot of people look at this category to indicate which film is going to win Best Picture. At the Oscars,
1: they do. I'm so, wondering what's. I want to know what, a what big televised award show is most likely like, the Oscars. For a while, I thought it was the SAG Awards. Yeah, I think it still is fairly accurate. The you SAG think, Awards. Okay, I didn't know if that was still as accurate. So yeah,
0: because I, I think, um, I remember in 2017 it was like, well, if Shape of Water takes the SAG Award, we'll know.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think I think that was the year. I, I could be incorrect.
1: Yeah, so I started I started uh, TiVoing. Wait, I've never owned TiVo, but yeah. for the purpose <laughs> sure. of this sentence, I started TiVoing all of the SAG awards and try to watch those. So. Yeah,
0: I think I think that's probably still your best bet is is Screen Actors Guild. Um, I think less less and less so each year. The Golden Globes become less of a reflection. <laughs>
1: it's so true.
0: It's just because. So well, we can just jump right into it. I mean, the Hollywood the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, who's responsible for this. The reality is like. This is one big giant publicized party for their organization. Yes. And so they have, there are, how should I say this? They're populists, you know? So they want people to tune in, first of all. And second of all, they want them to have a good time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so a lot of times what you see is the more avant-garde of films, they fall to the wayside in favor of, more popular movies, the Bohemian Rhapsodies of the world, mm-hmm. the ones, the the mass appeal type films. So if you were, you know, I could see something like The Joker, or I could see something like Joker doing very well. Mm-hmm. I could see something like um, Knives Out potentially doing well. Because those are movies that millions of people saw and know, and so sometimes you see that go on. You know, sometimes you see people who are, um, for example, we saw uh, The Morning Show is nominated this year.
1: Yes, they are. Right?
0: I don't remember which category it is. Doesn't
1: matter. Yeah. Shouldn't have happened, but...
0: But they, it's <laughs> it's worth noting, you know, like Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, Steve Carell, those are people that you would want to have at your party. Yes. <laughs> you know, I mean, for lack of a better analogy, like, those are people you would want around to draw some eyes. And so I think that a lot of that goes into it.
1: I love that when people are giving their speech, they especially if they've won a couple of times at the at the Golden Globes, they always talk about, well... I shook hands with the right people. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I spent time with the right people. I got the right picture with them because it's really just a popularity contest. It really is.
0: I, I feel like when people go up there and the first thing they say is thank you to the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, I think you hear that more often at that award show than you do than you hear thank you to the Academy at the Academy Awards. Exactly. It seems like. So um, it's it's interesting. But let's jump into the category by category breakdown. We'll start with drama. And the the five films nominated for Best Picture Drama are 1917, The Irishman, Joker, Marriage Story, and The Two Popes. And The Irishman, Joker, and Marriage Story are all available for you to view now, whether that be in theaters or on Netflix, luckily enough. Mm -hmm. 1917, and well, so 1917 gets its wide release on Christmas Day. And The Two Popes drops on Netflix next Friday. So what that means is three out of five, you can watch from the comfort of your own home.
1: And that's th- pretty nice. I think that's a great just forward-moving excitement of technology yeah. in the world. Oh, it's huge. That's not a real <laughs> sentence either.
0: No, but it, it's it's significant because I think when, um, when Amazon Studios started showing up with The Big Sick and mm-hmm. Manchester by the Sea... Um, I think Netflix's response was essentially "Let's go win the dang thing," mm-hmm. and they're they're swinging hard.
1: Yeah. I think they have most of these nominations. I also I can remember years past when you and I have always tried to watch all of the uh, Oscar nominees. Yeah. I've done cost, it for the last
0: eight or nine years. Yeah,
1: it costs so much <laughs> money,
0: <laughs> and it's it's just really it put it it's a toll. Yes, you know because you what happens is they don't get released until. A week or two before the big show mm-hmm. and so it's not like this where we can kind of like oh i can watch irishman now and then marriage story and then the two popes it's like you end up watching eight of the ten in the last two weeks and you're just like your eyes are rolling in the back of your head
1: yeah and you're like wait what movie did i saw see and uh, it's it's so frustrating so this this layout i'm liking it a lot i know that there's been lots of tension in the hollywood world about releasing to Netflix and yeah. releasing to Amazon, and is that cinema? And I'm I'm for it.
0: I'm also for it. I think you know, adapt or die. You know, and I think that you know a lot. The most most entertainment is happening in the home
1: these days. That's right.
0: And so, the theaters are still thriving. It's a still it's still a great. I think that's something that people underestimated. Not to make this too long of a tangent, but like. People just assume that theaters would die in the advent of Netflix and all these other things, but our generation is very experiential Yes. and the theater is an experience. And the theaters, the theater companies who have done a good job of making an experience by getting bigger screens and getting the heated seats and the fancy food and all that, those are the ones that are winning. Mm-hmm. And so it can you can have both and both can coexist and that's been proven mm-hmm. so far. And so I think that it's time for Hollywood to back off you know their money is safe it is. <laughs> it's it's going to be okay it
1: truly is um but from these 5 yeah I, I think they're all strong contenders
0: yeah i think for me the only the only big surprise is here um parasite was one i was expecting to see here just because it's getting a lot of buzz. I've not yeah. seen the
1: movie yet, but it's getting a ton of buzz. It's been on tons of lists as the best film of 2019. And oh, yeah. Yet yeah. it's not here.
0: And Bong Joon-ho, who's uh, an incredible, incredible filmmaker, director. Of course, Snowpiercer is my personal fave. Oh, yeah. Love it. And uh, I was surprised to see Little Women not get a nomination. I think, and, and again, haven't seen this one yet because it hasn't gotten a wide release, but this was one I just marked as soon as it came out. It was like... Oh, Greta Gerwig, Scherzer Ronan, Ronin, you know, uh, Emma Thompson, or sorry, who am I thinking of? Watson? I- Emma Watson. Mm-hmm. Gosh, Emma Thompson from- Timothy uh, Chalamet. Yeah. Yes. Emma Watson, Timothy Chalamet. The list goes on. I'm going to call Laura, him Chalamet. Yeah, that's fine.
1: Every, every time. Just that's so that's, 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 that's <laughs> okay. I mean, I'll tolerate
0: it. <laughs> Laura Dern. I mean, the list goes on. I, I, as soon as I saw that movie come across the ticker, I was like, well, that's best picture. So I was surprised not to see that one. But, you know, time will tell. I think generally this category is mostly what I expected. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's move over to comedy or musical, which is always a wild card. Um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Kirk. Is that one a comedy or a musical? That is
1: not a comedy nor a musical. No,
0: definitely not. So weird. Uh, Dolomite is my name,
1: which... That's a comedy.
0: It's a comedy, straight up. Jojo Rabbit, which I have not seen. Dying to see it. Mm -hmm. Dying to. Uh, Knives Out, which I would say also isn't a comedy. Yeah,
1: it it just doesn't. It can't be put in a box.
0: Yeah, I agree. And then Rocket Man, which sure, that's a musical. Right. That's that's fair. So those are our top five. There any surprises here? Yeah,
1: just uh, once upon a time in Hollywood. Yeah. It's, it's the new Martian. Uh, I don't understand its its placement, but I can't really sincerely think of things outside the box and that's my problem once I see the list I'm like okay and I can't think of all the other films yeah I mean out I was there. excited
0: we got no book smart uh, I mean I'm not excited sorry I was surprised I was yeah. surprised we didn't get book smart I was surprised that this was a category I thought maybe like hustlers would sneak in for some reason I don't know because everyone like, loved it yeah, yeah and it's it's gotten really good reviews and Yeah. I mean, I think that's mostly it. I was surprised. And again, it's hard whenever you haven't seen the movie, but bombshell has what appears to be the makings of a really good movie with that cast alone. Um, sometimes those things fall flat, but with vice getting nominated last year, Mm -hmm. I thought, uh, bombshell, which is sort of in the same ilk, you know, might, it it seems like a similar movie to that, that maybe they would ride that wave. Um, so overall I didn't think that the best picture categories were all too controversial. I think obviously once upon a time in Hollywood is the strange outlier there. Um, there are plenty of movies that I think are deserving of a best picture. non that aren't there. I think Ford versus Ferrari is one that jumps out, uh, the lighthouse. Of course I'm, I'm partial to that film, Yes. but there's a lot of competition this year. And so, um, knives out being in there definitely surprised me. But again, if, if it was any other award show, it would surprise me. But with it being the golden globes, I was like, yeah, that's that's on brand for them.
1: I would say that I'm I'm wondering where Honey Boy fits into all of this because I've heard good things. But, I think
0: it's gonna get shut out,
1: man. But I don't see Shia, and I don't know. It's currently got a ninety four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. So I, I think it's
0: just sh- wrong place, wrong time for that movie, man.
1: I, I mean, just based on everything I've read, like it
0: feels like that movie's on the outside looking in, and I think that we've had a couple of bad years for movies. In the past, but this is not one of them. That's very true. This is a really, really strong year. And there will be, sadly, some really good movies that just don't get a mention.
2: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, So that's the reality of it. Let's move into the acting categories. So, again, these are broken into not only male and female, but also drama or comedy. So, real quickly, best performance by an actress in a motion picture drama. Um, Cynthia Erivo Mm
2: -hmm.
0: from Harriet Scarlett Johansson from Marriage Story, Saoirse Ronan from Little Women, Charlize Theron from Bombshell, and Renee Zellweger for Judy. That's pretty much exactly what I expected. That makes sense. I think the only, there was only one that I was surprised, I was surprised that Harriet got a nod. Um, haven't seen that movie, but also just haven't seen it get buzzed about. Um, oh, but I was, you know, I think with it being broken into drama, it gives them a chance. But I thought that um, Lupita Nyongo was one that people raved about her performance in Us, just being like one of the greatest things ever. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't appear anywhere on this list. And I will say, I have not seen Us because it looks so scary. Yes. So, yeah, let's give the award to Lupita Nyongo because she terrified me before I even saw the movie. She could kill us all. Yeah, the, whenever, that poster with her eyes all bugged out, I was like, that's a hard pass. And then everything that I saw in that trailer, I was like, nope, nope, nope.
1: Yep. Not and, happening. And everyone was rooting for her. They're like, she must be nominated. And here we are, and here's a snub. So. Well, we know
0: she's got it too, man. I mean, she's a...
1: But the way I see this category is like,
0: Renee Zellweger's going to win, so it doesn't really matter.
1: She's going to clean up. It's going to be unanimous.
0: She's going to win. She's going to win here, and she's going to win at the Oscars. Actually, I should have made my tattoo bet on Renee Zellweger.
1: Ah, that's true.
0: (laughs) Because I would not be sweating it nearly as much as I am right now. Um, (laughs) So sticking in the drama category, but making its way over to the men, Christian Bale with a surprise nomination, in my opinion. Uh, Antonio Banderas, Adam Driver... Joaquin Phoenix and Jonathan Price. So, you know what Joaquin Phoenix was nominated for? Adam Driver was nominated for Marriage Story. Christian Bale, of course, nominated for Ford versus Ferrari. Antonio Banderas nominated for a foreign film called Pain and Glory. And Jonathan Price, who's not really been in anything super significant before this movie,
1: mm-hmm.
0: other than Pirates of the Caribbean,
1: he's nominated for The Two Popes. Yeah, is Jonathan Price the bad guy in Tomorrow Never Dies? I don't think so, Jonathan Price. I gotta know. I gotta know. He is. He oh. is absolutely the bad guy in in the James Bond movie. I Tomorrow can't Never see Dies. his face in that movie. Yeah, but he...
0: he. I mean, he's he's good. I thought he was really good in Pirates of the Caribbean, as weird as that is.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I'm excited.
0: I'm excited to see this movie.
1: He reminds me a lot. He looks like, and I and shame on me because this is one of the greatest films and one of my favorite ones, uh, Jaws. He looks like he looks like the the chief. Oh yeah, uh, Chief Brody chief brody there we go yeah Yeah. yeah. looks just like him i wonder if they're somehow related i'd like to know
0: i doubt it but it's possible (laughs) we're all related in some way it's all right we're all connected it's a circle (laughs) everything's time is a flat circle again (laughs) Kurt. um but i think the big surprise in this category at least searching around the twitterverse is robert de niro where's he at i know we need and we will talk about his performance in our review i'm certain of it yes um But I think that that was the one snub that everybody was like, whoa, surprised by that, especially since later on in the other drama category, he'll see that his counterparts, Joe Pesci and Al Pacino were both nominated. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. Um, Adam Driver, here's what I'm scared of, Kirk. And (laughs) I gotta tell you, I'm scared. I'm scared, okay? The Golden Globes take place before the Oscars, of course. If Marriage Story wins that Adam Driver is for sure winning at the Golden Globes because those two things go hand in hand. And if that happens, Kirk, he could ride that wave straight (laughs) into the Academy and they're going to be like, we're not getting shown up by the Hollywood Press Association. We have refined taste as well. And we love a good dramatic and human performance like Mm -hmm. the one we saw at Adam Driver and he deserves the win. And that cannot happen. Well, I mean, I'm fine with it. No, Kurt, it cannot. It cannot happen.
1: It cannot. I think that you will look so much more, what's the word, Um, just experienced with a tattoo on you.
0: Yeah, but how awesome will it be whenever I just, like, flex on everybody? Like, yeah, I called it, Joaquin Phoenix one. I called it, and I put a tattoo on it. But I think what sucks about the tattoo bet is I think it only is worth something if you have to go through with it.
1: I think so too. So we're going to make sure that we can watch the Oscars together and I'm going to record the, this moment on television. Yeah.
0: No, just me, the horror. I'll go through all the <laughs> stages of grief in one, like 30 seconds or something like that.
1: That's right. That's right. So
0: yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm scared. I'm actively rooting against Adam Driver, even though I love Adam Driver.
1: Have you chosen the place where the tattoo will go yet?
0: Uh, I'm thinking shoulder. Yeah. Like where right, it will never be right seen at the top again. here. No, like at the back.
1: Back of the shoulder. Nice. Yeah. Like on the shoulder blade. Yeah, back of the shoulder. Okay.
0: I think it'll hurt a little bit, mm-hmm. but I don't want it to be seen. Yep. And it will be small. So, <laughs> yeah, I think it's a bad sign that I'm already having to think about exactly where that <laughs> thing's going to go. So, yeah. Um, let's move into the musical or comedy section. Aquafina is at the head of the marquee here for her uh, revolutionary film, The Farewell, which I still have yet to see, unfortunately. Kate Blanchett with surprise nomination for Where Do You Go, Bernadette, which is not getting good reviews at all. But again, Kate C- Blanchett, big name, right? Uh, Anna DeArmis gets nominated for Knives Out. We spoke very highly of her performance on this here podcast. Yes. Uh, Booksmart finally sneaks in and gets a nomination um, for Beanie Feldstein and Emma Thompson for Late Night, which I was excited to see that one because I thought she was exceptionally good in that movie.
1: She was. She really was. Uh, the only other one that makes me mad here is Cate Blanchett, because I just don't get the appeal for her. I yeah. never I never have.
0: Oh, you're not a Cate Blanchett fan? I am not. I oh, am I not. La- I like Cate Blanchett,
1: man. I thought I was when I was younger, and, like, Notes on a Scandal came out with her yeah. and Judi Dench, and I was like, oh, this is so good, and then I watched it again, I'm like, nah, nah, she's not that great. Judi Dench, fantastic and everything. Yes, yeah, that's true. Just, I don't know what I need from Cate Blanchett to do better. You didn't like her in Thor, man?
0: No. Oh, I liked that performance. I no. thought that was good. I just don't like her. That's okay. You're allowed to not like her. You're <sighs> but entitled I like, to that opinion.
1: I like everyone else in this category. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I want to see Aquafina win just because she's hilarious. I would love that too. She's awesome. She's in the new uh, Dra- uh, Jumanji movie that's coming out this weekend. Excellent. I about that. Um, best performance by an actor in a motion picture, musical, or comedy. Daniel Craig for Knives Out. Roman Griffin Davis for Jojo Rabbit. Leo DiCaprio. In Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Taron, is it Egerton or Edgerton? I always mess it up. I think it's Egerton. I always mess it up, too. From Rocket Man and Eddie Murphy from Dolomite is my name. I think that's what I expected. It's a solid list. Though Leo, I feel like Leo should win. Mm-hmm. But I think Eddie Murphy may win just because this is kind of a big return for him. It is. And so I think that's like that much anticipated return and the surprise of like how good that movie actually was, I think will kind of pull him over.
1: Yeah. And the and how the categories are split up because it's geared toward comedy, it should be Dolomite, but I would be happy if Leo won. Of course, I'm always here for him. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, Best director, we got Bong Joon-ho, Sam Mendes, oh, sorry, Bong Joon-ho for Parasite, Sam Mendes for 1917, Todd Phillips for Joker, Martin Scorsese for The Irishman, and Quentin Tarantino for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. The big shutout here is is Greta Greta Gerwig mm-hmm. and probably Lulu Wong, and probably Olivia Wilde. So no females. No females. Which was a surprise because there were a lot of good female directed, or a lot of really like, anticipated female directed films this year.
1: Yeah, and if you if you look at the movies that have been released, they are already high on the tomato meter score. Yep. Uh, scale. They're just. Well, I mean, doing we know well. Little
0: Women is good. Oh. I don't even need to see that movie to know it's probably amazing.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I don't understand why those weren't considered or entered into this. um.
0: Well, my theory here is that Todd Phillips being nominated, which I don't think a lot of people were expecting, but I think him being nominated sets up Joker for the win in the drama category, and I kind of expect that to happen at the Globes. Mm -hmm. Because Joker has what Marriage Story and The Irishman don't have, which is a a billion dollars in revenue.
2: Nah, true <laughs> and and it's it was true.
0: and it was it was different you know it was very very different from what we've seen before especially in that genre like the superhero genre so i think that there's a good chance that it wins and i think that this might be one of the tea leaves that kind of points in that direction i want to jump to tv real quick just to talk about the big the big awards here so best television series drama big little lies the crown killing eve the morning show and succession
1: Big, big names, big category. Big
0: names. The morning show is obviously does not belong in that category.
1: Never in a million years.
0: And this is one of, this is, these are the nominations that you see and you're like, what are we doing here? Yeah. You know?
1: the, those are the ones where the Hollywood Foreign Press was like, you know what? I want to meet all the people that were in that show. Yeah. I want I mean, see them show yeah, up and.
0: Sign the, I want to, you know, have them sign, take a picture, you know, whatever. I just want succession to win. I know I know that that's obvious, but I just want it to win so bad. I think The Crown will probably win. I don't know. But again, populist could be Big Little Lies, which season two was not as good as season one. It was not. So I was surprised to see it nominated here. So
1: Succession right now is positioned to take it all right here.
0: I, yeah, it is. Best television series drama. So we'll see what happens. Um, Olivia Coleman is obviously nominated for The Crown because she gets nominated for everything all the time and she's amazing. So good for her <laughs> and mr robot's still getting nominations i didn't even know that was still on tv to be <laughs> fully that. honest with you i watched the first like four seasons of that show and liked it it was just one of those things that like fell off and then i was like rami malik what what yeah. what's happening um so that's interesting and game of thrones i think was the big shutout no game of thrones the hollywood Foreign press association said no so again it's just like weird stuff like I know that, like, not very many people like season eight of Game of Thrones. At least that's what I've gathered. But overall, I mean, and then again, you have the morning show, which just makes it all the more questionable. Mm -hmm. Game of Thrones almost at this point deserves a nomination just for their track record. Yeah. It's like how Julia Louis-Dreyfus didn't get nominated this year for Veep, which was the series, the end of the series. Yes. And she's been nominated, like, every year. Except for this one. Yeah. Wow. I'm like, but why? She deserves it just because she's been such abused on that
1: show this whole time. They were just looking for something new and shiny. They're like, what about this? What about this? You know.
0: Well, I think yeah, Fleabag uh, came in and yeah. is stealing all the awards. And I don't know. I think they <laughs> maybe the voters just get tired of it. They're like, nah. It's
1: like, won already. Yeah. Give someone else a chance.
0: Yeah. It's done. Okay, so lots of interesting things there. Anything else you want to talk about on the TV side? I'm just
1: excited that Marvelous Miss Maisel is nominated again. Yes. That's exciting for me. I'm excited for Barry. Rachel, Come on, Rachel Barry. Rachel Brosnahan, I want her to win again. Um, although that Judy, Jody Comer yes. is probably going to take it again because I've heard she's fantastic. That's a show I need to watch, Killing Eve.
0: Yeah, Russian Doll is supposed to be pretty good too, so that's, that's an interesting one. And I saw Dead to Me get a couple of nominations. I was excited about that because I like that show.
1: It's a good one, yeah.
0: So... Overall, your take on the Golden Globe
1: nominations. I think they got it right. I'm going to say 8 out of 10, Colonels. They got it right. <laughs> <laughs> 8
0: out of 10. I Yeah, I think I'm right there with you. I think I'm right at that level of satisfaction with this. Last year, I didn't watch the Golden Globes because the nominations were a Trash. joke. Trash. Just a total joke. And so it was the, probably the first time that I can remember not watching it. This year, I will be glued to it. Mm-hmm. I'll make it happen. And I'll watch it. Um, so that's the Golden Glows. Let us know what, what got snubbed that you're mad about. That's usually what people are looking for here. Like, what is the thing that you're like, what? I saw this movie and this person was incredible or this movie was great and they didn't get nominated. I want to know because if it's that great of a movie and I haven't seen it, I want to see it. So that is kind of like what's popping part one because it's news, you know, it's like award nominations. Let's jump into what's popping part two. Yep. The real Oh, two pops. I see what you did there. Thanks. You're very clever, Kirk. <laughs> but let's jump into uh, our real What's Poppin' and talk about what's going on there. Let's see. So we had... Oh, man. I'm, I'm out of breath because we had so many trailers this week, Kirk.
1: I don't know... Did, did all the trailer people get together and say, all right, this week, g- this is just like,
0: this is trailer push week. Shoot them out. Yeah. Let's just throw all of our best trailers out there and see who wins.
1: <laughs> That's right. We're going to gauge what the audience wants to see. And then we're going to reshoot things like Sonic the Hedgehog. Dude, but
0: seriously, it is wild times this week on the trailers. Like I could not keep up. You and I were doing social media and I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like Turn hold on. one
1: trailer, two trailer, six trailer. Ugh.
0: So we're going to go rapid fire on these trailers. I'm going to list them all out first so you know what's coming okay and then we're going to talk about how we feel about the trailers so our contestants today for rapid fire trailer (laughs) review is wonder woman 1984 ghostbusters afterlife which is hot off the presses just came out today free guy which is the ryan reynolds uh video game movie mulan the live action remake and the black widow trailer of course black widow
2: Black Widow, baby. Yeah,
0: You have to do that every time. It's a good one. <laughs> I
1: hope that's the theme. That <laughs> it one. should
0: be. They should do that.
1: It's got to be in there somewhere. It
0: better be in the end credits. It's a, It's an all-time great song.
1: At least. Yeah. Or some kind of montage or fight scene. Yeah. When we go to the Red Room, let's, let's play it. I want to see it.
0: Okay, so let's start with Wonder Woman 1984, because I think that's one of the big ones from this week. Thoughts on that trailer?
1: I'm all in. Uh, my only question, my biggest question is how does how does steve trevor survive we don't know how
0: steve trevor is alive that question certainly did not get answered in the trailer that gives me hope though Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: i think if they would have like explained it that would mean that the reason is pretty shallow yeah which it needs to not be in order for this to make sense like there needs to be a reason that we're in 1984 yes there needs to be a reason that he's alive and seemingly hasn't been alive for the last few years because remember he like sees that trash can in the trailer
1: Oh, my gosh.
0: <laughs> and, and Gal Gadot's like, it's just a trash can, Steve, or, you know, whatever. Yeah, uh, they're,
1: like, walking up to this giant piece of art, and he's looking down. He says, wow, that's incredible. <laughs> and she corrects him. Yeah, and he doesn't seem to have aged from the last time.
0: Yeah, so they've kind of, like, reversed us on what they did in the first movie, where, like, Gal Gadot was just experiencing, like normal western culture for the first time yes now steve trevor's got like a captain america complex going on (laughs) where he's like been in hibernation for the last 30 years
1: yes which is a nice touch and this one just seems more playful it does which is what we've been urging from the dc world and
0: which is what wonder woman did better than the rest of the dc films the first time around indeed and why it was successful so that was my thing when wonder woman one came out i was like yeah this is Somebody at DC, some higher up at Warner Brothers, was like, you need to go out there and make me a Marvel movie. Yeah. <laughs> and Patty Jenkins, in her infinite wisdom, was like, I'll do you one better. I'll make a movie that feels like a Marvel movie, but feels distinctly DC. And that's what she did. And yes. she's a genius. And she's doing it again, like apparently, because it looks, like you said, lighthearted. It looks fun. It's colorful. It's almost got like a Ragnarok color scheme going on, It does. Too. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting. My big concern, though, Kirk our villains. Mm. I worry. I worry and I like Kristen Wig a lot. I just I'm I'm not sold. But is she the only villain in She's this? She's not. There's there's another villain. I forget the guy's yeah. name, but as soon as I heard Cheetah, I was like, "Sweet Cheetah, this is going to be great." Mm-hmm. Um so it it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic for this film.
1: I'm going to go. I'm usually cautiously optimistic. I have faith in these two, this time around, more yeah. so than I did the first time, and I I'm ready for it. Okay, all right, I, I like it. I want it to blow my socks off, and I think it can do it. Mm-hmm. This is the turning point. I say that with a lot of the DC movies, but I think this will be a real turning point. So
0: if this, so the DC EU <clears throat> is effectively dead. I mean, as far as we know it, they're they're basically saying like that didn't happen. I think so. Yeah. So if this is good, then that means DC's had two consecutive objectively good movies and then you've got james gunn's suicide squad movie coming out so like we were talking about with the joker like we could be we could be trending that Mm -hmm. way it'll be interesting to see all right next trailer ghostbusters afterlife came out today starring paul rudd finn wolfhard um what are your thoughts on this one
1: my mind was blown
0: yeah i was expecting this to be your typical sequel garbage you know i mean that that sounds degrading Mm -hmm. but not every sequel is bad obviously but this just felt like a money grab type sequel yes but then i'm watching this trailer and i didn't know anything about this project just to be totally honest with you and it's looking good cinematically they're building up a nice story all of a sudden paul rudd's here and they're flashing things across the screen that say from writer director jason reitman and i'm like hold on yeah. We might have a good movie on our hands here.
1: This seemed like your your typical, all right, the boys are getting back together. Yep. Let's have them come in, make their jokes, bring the, the Michelin Marshmallow Man into this, and yeah. it's going to be a good time. It's just going to be silly. No. This trailer delivered on such a different level than I expected it. I, I mean, when you had the, the running temporary title as Ghostbusters 2020, I'm like, maybe that is the title. Maybe they're it not could, doing anything. It could anything. have definitely been. And now we have this very well-structured, yeah. thoughtful, exciting return to this franchise that has, it's never been this way. This franchise has never looked like this right. before. So super pumped.
0: I'm very pumped. I'm very pumped. Jason Reitman is great. Uh, he's responsible for Juno. He's responsible for Up in the Air. Uh, love both of those movies. Loved the the movie Young Adult with Charlize Theron and uh, Pat Oswalt. That's a good movie. Mm-hmm. It's going to be fun. It's I I mean I'm 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 very optimistic about this
1: movie. I trust Paul Rudd with my life. Yes. Friend yes. of the pop.
0: Friend of the pop. Oh, the biggest mm-hmm. of friends. And he's from Kansas City? That's like really? a stone's throw away from here, man. Oh, wow.
1: Yeah. Maybe we maybe he'll come this way for Christmas. Doubtful. And he can swing by the studio.
0: I mean, I'll call him, but the last time I did, he didn't answer. <sighs> yeah. Such a jerk. I shouldn't even say that because then it sounds like he did something mean, and I don't think he's actually like <laughs> capable of doing anything mean. I think he's probably just incredible. He's not. He's yeah.
1: he's immortal and he's incredible.
0: Yep. He's the best. All right. That's Paul Rudd talk. <laughs> 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 we should do we should do a total Paul Rudd podcast <laughs> where all we do we it's weekly still, still a weekly podcast. Yeah. And we just talk about the developments in Paul Rudd's life that <laughs> week. And we watch we watch like one Paul Rudd movie or television show. Yeah. And we talk about it. Speaking
1: of free form. Si- since we're on this Paul Rudd tangent, yeah. I just wanna say that, you know, from time to time Paul Rudd pops into my time my timeline. As he should. And um I saw the wonderful clip. Paul Rudd has been trolling Conan O'Brien for years. Oh, yes. What he does is he goes on and he's like, I got a clip. He's like, they wouldn't let me show it on any other show but yours, Conan. And what I've got for you today is a clip of me in Avengers. I shouldn't be showing this to you, so strap in. And then he shows a clip of the horrible film Mac and Me. Yeah. There's a child rolling down uh, in a wheelchair, a giant hill, and he falls off a cliff into a waterfall, and this alien pops up, and he just turns around and makes these whistling noises. And
0: that's the end of the
1: clip. And that's the end of the clip, and he does not show the actual clip of the film. And I was like, you know what? I haven't seen Mac and Me since I was a kid. Oh, no. And I watched it. Oh, no. And I took notes on it.
0: (laughs) Oh, gosh. So if
1: we ever review it? So we need to uh, maybe maybe we need to release it on the 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 website the actual website yeah maybe we should like watch one bad movie a month and blog it and just blog it and it's just bullet points it's like why is this happening I can't believe this is real yeah stream
0: of consciousness yeah yeah
1: so I like it I, I hope we can do that soon but if yeah. you haven't seen Mac and Me it's Jennifer Aniston's debut ooh you gotta see it. Blink and you'll miss her, but it's, <laughs> it's great. Yeah, and if you just
0: don't want to watch Mac and Me, but you want a good time, just Google Conan O'Brien yeah. Mac and Me, and it's, you'll, you'll get a good laugh out of it. It's yes. pretty fun. Um, all right, so that's Ghostbusters Afterlife. Next one up, Mulan,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which I'll give you my thoughts on this trailer. Give it to me. If ever there were a Disney animated film that I thought would translate really well into a live action, it's Mulan. And I, so I kind of dig where they're going with this because it feels like a more dramatic retelling of Mulan, which Mulan, the story of Mulan definitely suits itself for that. And I'm kind of here for it. I mean, I generally don't like the live action remakes, but I, I dug what I saw and I, I want, I want that more dramatic retelling of the story and so it seems like they might actually deliver on that.
1: Yeah. And there was all this um, kind of back and forth about not having Mushu in it. However, the latest trailer had what was kind of Mushu-like. It was more like a phoenix yes, than a dragon. Right. And so we know there's not going to be any musical numbers in this. But you're right. The the story of Mulan is so dramatic. And to inject that onto screen and have these epic samurai fights yeah is really exciting. And
0: they had a... Um... They had a trailer that came out literally minutes before we came into the studio that I didn't get to watch yet, but they said that it had reflection in the trailer, like a, probably like just a symphonic version of the song since they're not singing it. I don't believe they're singing it in the movie. Um, So it's interesting. I think that, I think I like the heavier tone for this movie.
1: What if they troll us and they've marketed it as there is no music and then we get into it and they do all the songs? I would be bummed <laughs> but i
0: yeah i would be okay. I, I would understand but i would be bummed i really do want this to be like i want them to approach it as if we've never seen this story before mm-hmm. because it's a great story and one that really again really lends itself to a dramatic live action film and so i'm excited for that all right black widow trailer black
2: widow baby
0: we got a nice good look at our whole surroundings in this movie, where we're at. You know, we're in Russia. We're we're in between. I think this movie takes place in between Civil War and something else. Yes.
1: I believe it's six years after, unless I'm thinking of The Mandalorian. It takes place after Civil War and it's obviously between, before Infinity War. It's between Civil War and Infinity
2: War. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So it'll
0: be interesting. We got a good look at uh, Florence Pugh's character. Yes. Where she plays uh, uh, Natasha's her name's Natasha, mm-hmm. right? Her sister.
1: Yes. And
0: we got a good look at a pretty much overshaped David Harbour <laughs> as Red Guardian, and his character looks awesome.
1: Yes, he does.
0: I'm pretty excited about that. And here's what I'll say about this trailer. The movie looks good. The dialogue at times, maybe not the best. Mm-hmm. I'm a little nervous about that, to be honest with you. There are a few, a few cheesy type one-liner things in the trailer but it's a trailer okay and it's marvel and they kind of tend to do that a little bit because they're they lean into the fact that like hey this is superheroes don't take it too seriously right. you know um which i think is fine tonally but this trailer more than some i felt like oh, that's one too many cheesy one-liners i don't know
1: i wonder if that's to capture people who wouldn't necessarily be excited about seeing this because it's uh it's a backwards telling of this prequel because we know yeah. we know her fate. Right. And so maybe it's trying to play up more fun, but then they're going to cut that out when we're actually to the film, much like the Russo brothers tricked us
0: yeah. many times. I, I think that's a good point. I think that there are a fair amount of people that I've talked to that aren't excited about this film, which is unfortunate because I'm
1: stoked. I'm very excited. And
0: this is a story that I think a lot of people who really like these movies have been waiting for for a long time. Like, where's our Natasha backstory we want the full thing. We want to know what all's going on there. They allude to it a ton,
1: starting with Avengers. What happened in Budapest? Yeah. Was it Budapest? Yeah. Yeah.
0: With her and uh Hawkeye? Yeah. Yeah, I know. There's there's all these things. So so
1: many things to dive into. I hope we see him pop up.
0: I think we will. It, I don't think you can make I don't think you can make a Black Widow movie without going into the Clinton Barton relationship it,
1: it may not be the focus but there has to be flashbacks scene i think yeah where th- either it starts with that and then they move into everything else or they end with it i think
0: so too i think there's going to be plenty of flashback action going on and i think since they've mentioned that one so many times like it should appear so yep i'm really hoping this acts as a really good like jigsaw piece into the marvel puzzle and maybe connects to, like, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier or, like, some of those other stories that we're going to start weaving in. Yes, please. So, I'm overall, I'm very excited about it. I didn't think the trailer was the best trailer, but I'm excited about the movie. Um, okay, last one. This, one. this one's a fun one. Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds. Concept for this movie, Ryan Reynolds is uh, a non-player character, NPC in a video game, and he's just realized that fact, I think. And uh, his character is like a bank teller and they pl- like the plot in the story that he takes place in is like the bank is getting robbed. Yes. And so every day <laughs> he goes to work, the bank, get ro- bank gets robbed, he drops on the floor until in this trailer we find out that he like, um, he decides one day like, screw this. We're not getting robbed. I'm going to kill the guy who comes in here and robs it. And when he does, he gets these glasses, which are like the hero glasses and he can find, he can suddenly see the whole dashboard of, like, the person who's playing the game. Yes. And so he's kind of, like, taking control of his own destiny. Um, And I'm actually excited for this. I think that... There, there are plenty of red flags to be concerned about this maybe not panning out. But I'm going to withhold judgment until I see it. And I think that it, it has potential to be really, really funny and really good.
1: That's funny that you saw some red flags because I didn't see any. Because <laughs> yeah. I was like, this is perfect. This is a home run for Ryan Reynolds. I don't see how this could not be be a success. So I think
0: it's I think I'm think i still traumatized from like all of the bad movies that Ryan Reynolds did <laughs> that I still just can't get over. And I'm like... I'm very wary and I love the Deadpool movies and I like Ryan Reynolds a lot and even though he like effectively plays that Deadpool character in every movie sure. now it's a great bit and he's excellent at it and play your hits man you know like just do it so I think it'll be good I think it could be horrible but I think it will be good <laughs> All right let's move into some other what's popping topics just real quick The Matrix 4 they're staffing up they're staffing up for the Matrix 4. They're starting we're starting to get a little bit of casting news here and there and we're we're a ways off um from this project. And casting news that came across the line today is that Jonathan Groff of Hamilton fame and Frozen fame. He plays Kristoff in Frozen. He's been cast in the Matrix 4. And I want to get your take on that. I don't even know how to feel about this news to be honest.
2: Um <laughs> I uh yeah.
1: Not a fan. I, not a fan. Okay, not a fan. In all aspects, he should be good. He well, is, he's like
0: he's like a he's Broadway's darling. You know, yes, one he, of their he's like the the wonderkind.
1: He came from Spring Awakening. He's in Mind Hunter. He's he's Kristoff. He's um. It should make sense. He was even he had a brief role in American Sniper with Bradley Cooper. Oh yeah, too. that's
0: right. He's the guy like in the auto repair shop, like he the is. oil change place. Yep. Yeah, he's a
1: vet. Yep, um, I, I just, I want him to be good I'm always rooting for people to be good Even if they're not good yet Because that just means they just need some more training, right? But I don't think you can put Jonathan Groff in The Matrix 4 At his current career point mm. Yeah, it's it, it'll be interesting I
0: think following Frozen and him having a larger role Even though it's a voice acting role mm-hmm. And him starting to pop up in a few things I was kind of waiting for that big moment and this remains to be seen if this is it. You know, It's early casting news. We don't know what role he's been cast in. All we know is that he's been cast, and that's that's the end of it. So it could mm-hmm. be something small whenever it all pans out. But I've been kind of waiting for his prove-it moment. I mean, I think Mindhunter is a big deal, but it's different when you're on the silver screen, man. Like a yeah. TV is all fine and well, but you find out how much star potential somebody really has when they start popping up in big big time movies and the matrix certainly fits that bill
1: and to his credit you know mindhunter is going on season three now and people love him in it i think even more than his performance in mindhunter i think it's just mess too messy for me the storyline is yeah the show i started watching season one and i just gave up because it was not correct i don't know gotcha
0: yeah this that's one i haven't mm-hmm. i haven't tried yet
1: so i'm not so this one i'm very cautious yeah about And we'll see how it pans out. We will definitely see
0: how it pans out because we will be seeing Matrix 4. Like, that's a guarantee. Done, yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Last bit of news. This is something I maybe didn't expect to read. New Planet of the Apes movie is in the works. Hmm. And it's not Matt Reeves. We know Matt Reeves is busy with the Batman. Uh, Matt Reeves, who directed the first three installments, (coughs) was it three? Three installments? Yes. Yeah. In the Planet of the Apes, all of which were very good. Um, It's going to be a new director, Wes Ball, who his claim to fame right now is the Maze Runner series. Um, And what's interesting is when this news came out earlier last week, all of the reports were unclear on if this was a reboot, which would be shocking and frankly horrifying, (laughs) or (laughs) if it would be a continuation. And so Wes Ball is saying, think of this as the next chapter, the next installment. That's still super duper vague language um the first the so those matt reeves planet of the apes movies they played like a trilogy and mm. it felt very final yes at the did. end there so i don't know when he says next installment is he saying spin-off is he saying direct sequel or or is this like Is this like a fear of the walking dead situation? You know, like here's what was happening on the other side of the world. Like there were still apes. I don't know. I don't know. Like, what are your thoughts on this?
1: I don't see how you continue this story. Like you said, it was very final. It was very neatly tied up um, for better or for worse. Just the story made sense. The whole arc, uh, those films were fantastic. They had a clear beginning, middle and end. I don't, I don't know how you go on from that matt or what's his name west ball west ball yeah. yeah west ball i i just have fear i have fear
0: yeah i think this this is an interesting case because we're kind of starting to see what disney's approaches with the fox properties that they've acquired because planet of the apes is um of course a fox property they acquired it they had whenever they uh bought fox out <coughs> there were all these projects that were in flight and Disney was kind of playing the role of like Walking Phoenix and Gladiator with a thumbs up, thumbs down on if they were going to like <laughs> accept the project or kill it. You know? I, I
1: hope that they just had Joaquin there <laughs> you know, sitting in a chair. <laughs>
0: it's Bob Iger. Bob Iger's got like one of those uh, leaf, ha- halo yeah <laughs> things around his head and he's sitting in a chair eating grapes and he's like, thumbs down, Simpsons movie two, <laughs> Thumbs up, Planet of the Apes, you know? Oh. But I think what we're seeing and maybe is somewhat surprising for disney but probably not is like they're saying show me the money you know like if the project's gonna make money we want it and the planet of the apes movies have done exceptionally well especially considering i mean i would for one was shocked they were able to churn out three planet of the apes movies do a really good job and make a lot of money doing it um so i think disney just sees this as a cash opportunity and they're like "Eh, let's see what we've got here so it should be interesting
1: yeah not excited
0: All right, (laughs) let's move into our review of The Irishman. A review, Kirk, that you have been waiting for how long? How long do you think?
1: I think years.
0: Probably at least, so we started this podcast five months ago. I would say you were for sure already wanting to review it at that time.
1: You know... You know that meme of the of Rose from Titanic. Yeah, it's been eighty four years. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's how you. I feel. Yeah, that's you. Okay. As soon as I heard this was coming uh, into play, I I had inadvertently already had, uh, finally watched all three of the Godfathers. When I heard this news, mm, I was like, uh "Sweet, let's go!" And I yes. watched as many mobster movies and Martin Scorsese movies as I could. So,
0: so did you see, did you see Taxi Driver. I did. Okay. What other Martin Scorsese's did you hit up?
1: Uh, I saw Raging Bull. I saw mm. Casino. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's, it, what's it called? Shoot. Once it's, Upon uh,
0: a Time in America? Isn't that the one that you said? Is that Scorsese? I did no. watch
1: that. That's not Scorsese. But um, that's a big, long mob movie just like this, right? Yes. It's like four and a half hours long. It's got Robert De Niro, James Woods in it um what what's it well my goodness the king of comedy that's king i saw of that comedy, as
0: well yeah the departed Yeah, I mean, you had probably already seen the. Departed, i had yeah
1: and sometimes i just throw it on for fun it's fantastic you know for bed as i've talked are about you a before. cop <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so this this was very exciting november 27th was like a holiday uh, yeah. to me
0: here we are i mean it was a holiday right
1: the day the next day the oh, 28th. the next day was Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm.
0: So it was Skanksgiving.
1: Two holidays <laughs> with one another there. Yeah.
0: Happy Skanksgiving to you, Kirk. Skanksgiving. Okay. <laughs> the Irishman. Synops it up for me, Kirk. Do
1: it. <clears throat> this was a difficult one to synopse. Indeed. Because, as we all know, it's based on a true story. It is. And I've just been waiting forever. So
0: Wait, wait. Real quick. Yeah. We didn't talk about this before. What are the ground rules here? Because this is historical. Yeah. Basis, and we do spoiler free. Re- re- sp- we do spoiler free reviews on this podcast, Kirk. Mm-hmm. It's part of our core being. It's who we are.
1: Yeah, this is a tricky one because the whole idea of, or you know, investigation, I should say, of Jimmy Hoffa, because this movie is about Jimmy Hoffa. Yeah. Is that no one truly knows what happened to him? Yes. And there's all these conspiracy theories out there, including and not limited to that he is still alive, roaming the earth. Yeah, I'm going to say
0: that's a big no. He's
1: probably 104, if that's the case.
0: I think he's very dead. <laughs>
1: One way or the other, I think he's dead. Uh, so, yeah, that it's tricky on how, how we're going to discuss what. So
0: I think we can lay out there that Jimmy Hoffa disappeared. Like yes. that's that's known history i didn't i mean i personally didn't know that heading into this movie but it is something that i wouldn't have been mad knowing going into this movie yeah
1: it's something often joked about uh in basically every sitcom or movie at yeah. some point where they say oh we found jimmy hoffa's body you know
0: right and so i think that's where we'll leave it we can talk about how we can talk about the fact that jimmy that jimmy hoffa disappears at some point in his life yes but we won't talk about how they divulge such information in this movie, or how they execute that?
1: Right. Okay, that's fair. Let's let's do that. I like that. Well, let me rewrite my entire tweet. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're like
2: Jimmy Hoffa.
0: <laughs> he dies by this. He gets he gets his arm chopped off by a helicopter, and then a helicopter falls on top of it, <laughs> destroying all the evidence.
1: I want to see the supercut, the deep fake of that. Like they put, oh, that'd be great. Okay, my synopsis. tweet synopsis: The Irishman. With one faithful meeting, Frank Sheeran descends into the underworld of the Italian mafia, recounting his violent assignments spanning three decades. We follow his relationships with multiple infamous mobsters and their affiliates, including the Bufalino family, and of course, Jimmy Hoffa. Very good. I started smiling because I know that's over. (laughs) 280 characters it better not be I have to tweet this out <laughs> when you tweet it just tweet what it is and the rest of it will just be I'm lost truncated
0: in the middle of a sentence as punishment for you
1: Nope. I just want you to just it drops where it drops so if it, that's what
0: I'm saying it'll be truncated at the point it'll just stop and if it's mid word mid sentence it's you, just
1: chops you start writing Buffalino and it's done. done boof
0: yeah I thought it was buffalino it's whatever you want it to be okay I'm gonna say buffalino is that okay no Okay, well, you just said it it was okay, so I'm going to say it. (laughs) My tweet synopsis. The Irishman follows Frank Sheeran's rise from meat truck driver to elected official in the Teamsters Union and respected member of the Bufalino crime family. Along the way, Frank's loyalty is tested by rising tensions within the mob that cause him to choose a side.
1: Well, that was kind of long, too.
0: Well, I actually... I'm thorough, Kirk, and I try to tweet it every single time before I do it. I had 14 characters to spare. Don't worry about well, it.
1: Then. <laughs> well, then I should be in good shape. We'll see.
0: Although well, only only Twitter will be able to tell us, Kirk. So You're going
1: to like add stuff to mine so <laughs> yeah. that it goes over and I'll be yeah. like, wait a
0: second. Yes, I will. I will sabotage you. <laughs> um, so just quick who's who here. Frank Sheeran, who is the main character of this movie, who we both talked about in our synopsis. That's Robert De Niro. And the two other main characters, Russell Buffalino of the Buffalino crime family, is played by Joe Pesci, and Jimmy Hoffa is played by Al Pacino, the immortal Al Pacino.
1: Yes, and Joe Pesci also plays Russell Buffalino in this film as well, just to let you know. That's what I said. Yeah, you said Buffalino. Oh,
0: shut up. (laughs) Go watch the movie again. They for sure say Buffalino.
1: I'm sure they do. Yeah,
0: they they say it. Trust me. Um, all right, let's go into our acting superlatives with the first category, and the Oscar goes to what did you got, Kirk?
1: I went with the man himself, Mister De Niro. All right, Mister snubbed Mister De Niro mm-hmm. at the mm-hmm. Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. There, there is something about Robert De Niro that I didn't understand when I just when I saw him in Meet the Parents as a young chap, but then as I started this this, this descent going back into all of his old movies, I just realized how really brilliant he is on so many different levels he is always listening that's that's key uh, and especially in acting because if you're not listening to the other characters around you you don't know what's happening so this entire film is him listening and taking in information and reacting accordingly he's not someone who's going to like go off the rails Uh, And uh, in a conversation with someone, he's taking in the information, he's picking the best path forward, not only for himself, and that's key, but for the entire situation. So what's good for him? What's good for the Buffalinos? What's good for Jimmy Hoffa? He's trying to be like this... kind of like the middle child and the peacekeeper uh, to make sure that everyone's having a good time and making the best out of big issues that come up. And he does this through lots of subtleties. He does this through just perfectly timed moments. So when we do get that Robert De Niro anger, he's not doing it as himself. He's doing it as Frank Sheeran, uh, which is really really impressive. I was excited to see from him.
0: Yeah, I think and I think that subtlety that you talk about is what does him in when it comes to big acting award categories. I do think that I do think he could get a nod at the Oscars, but I personally did not choose Robert De Niro. Mm -hmm. And the reason for it is I, I too recognize that he does a great job being an excellent storyteller and, and being very subtle in his interactions with people, but also um, very meticulous and, and pointed in his interactions. So he's very, Tactical, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that at times he, he sort of fades into the background behind the other two uh, supporting cast members. And so I went with Joe Pesci, who plays Russell Buffalino,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, who sort of, he discovers Frank Sheeran and kind of takes him under his wing. You know, he's like his, he's like a father figure, for lack of a better term, or, or at the very least, a big brother or like a cool uncle or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But what's interesting, and what you have to, It's the mob is an
1: interesting thing, just conceptually. It's fascinating
0: because I think in every mob movie there is this lingering thing of like family loyalty, integrity, which are weird things when you're talking about people who rob and kill and you know launder money and do all kinds of horrible legal things. You know these are bad guys, like Mm -hmm. these are bad bad people, and everybody who's involved is bad <laughs> objectively, but they don't think they are, you know, there's, there's a sort of like almost like chivalrous, like medieval quality to the mob that makes people think that they're doing this for very real reasons and that what they're doing is just, and that they're doing so in a way that is full of integrity and just like genuineness, yeah, I guess. Like,
1: like medieval is perfect because they're bartering, they're trading. Yeah. They're, <clears throat> creating a community and a sense of loyalty and a direction. And it's
0: yeah. a society within a society. Yeah. And one that plays by a very different set of rules and one that a set of rules that's very much frowned upon and for good reason. But I think Russell Buffalino, the character and Joe Pesci's interpretation of that character does the perfect job of conveying this yep. because what you see when you watch this movie and you watch Joe Pesci work and he's working overtime. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, you see this character who, again, bad dude, like shady character in a major way, but he's got a comfort about him. You know, he's got a sly smile that makes you feel like he's got everything under control. He's got Frank Sheeran, you know, he takes him under his wing, he makes him family. And he's a friendly guy. You know, he's warm. It's, it's, it's interesting. You can almost feel the warmth as you're watching this movie from this character. But at the same time, you know, he's it's it's beautifully juxtaposed with like the crazy crap that this guy is doing <laughs> and executing and the things that his family is doing to people. Yeah. And I think that in order for it to work, you need somebody like Joe Pesci who can walk that line so effortlessly. And it feel it really feels effortless. And maybe it is for him, because he's very gifted, but It didn't go unnoticed. I thought he did a great job.
1: Yeah, there's two things that are are really important about Joe Pesci's performance. One is that you said he was like a father-like figure to Robert De Niro, and he was. And then you can see that pour over into him. So when we see Robert De Niro as Frank Sheeran in the film, we really see him trying to mimic those that relationship. Right. Like, okay, I want to try to stay calm in all these situations too. He's a little less calm than Joe Pesci because he's really the the henchman of the group. Yeah, but, he's the muscle. Yes. But overall, you can really see him try to analyze everything as Joe Pesci is. You know, in some scenes we see something horrible has happened and Joe Pesci's like, well, you know, it could have been worse. Just tell him not to do it again and we'll, we'll move on. We're just going to we're going to fight the specific battles that we need to. And you see Frank do that as well uh, in, Robert, in Robert De Niro's performance. That's excellent. That's fantastic. And then the other thing is that what's so funny is that, you know, one of the biggest roles that we've seen Joe Pesci in, uh, obviously in Home Alone as one of the wet bandits. <laughs> yeah. You see this this guy who's just like screaming and angry, and he can't contain himself, how much he hates Macaulay Culkin. And then you see just this, I, he is in the power seat and he has everything he needs and he is the puppet master and he's so calm about all of it yeah. while doing all these things it's such a cool uh, difference for, from what we've seen all he's he, he's also very similar in Lethal the Lethal Weapon series yeah, he's right, like just right, yeah. screaming curse words and ah, like you can't shut him up but in this one he's what he's the person people come to and he's the counselor
0: yeah for sure um so good ones there let's jump into scene stealer who uh, who stole the show for you that you maybe weren't expecting?
1: Uh, Mr. Al Pacino, my scene stealer. Yeah, good call. This was an easy one. Uh, I almost actually, I went back and forth on him and Robert De Niro for the best actor spot. But Al Pacino, I've seen him in so many different facets uh, of his career, good, bad, and ugly. And this one just seemed so well fit for him. It seemed like he spent a lot of time researching this. And, of course, uh, Al Pacino, you know, the godfather um, incumbent, uh, we know that he would do a good job in some sort of mafia-related movie. So he's not sitting at the head of the mafia, but he's sitting in conjunction and affiliated with them in the role of Jimmy Hoffa. Um, He is loud and boisterous, and then he's completely callous at times, and then he's also playing this other father-like figure for Frank um, and manipulative and in such a smooth way that people still love him and fear him all at the same time. Like, there wasn't a moment where you were really mad at him for the choices he was making. Again, all wrapped up in that mafia, community, society uh, mentality. But you he was definitely an anti-hero that you're like kind of rooting for you're like maybe he won't disappear at the end of this movie he's charismatic yes
0: and that's that's the important thing about jimmy hoffa is that this guy and they explain this in the movie was one of the biggest names on the block you know he was a household name everybody knew jimmy hoffa was and you don't get to that point without charisma
1: yes he really just was able to Make you feel so at ease when when you were around him, uh, until you weren't. Until you crossed him, and then you you had a problem for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: That's a good pick. I too went with Al Pacino. Love it. Um, And I know that scene stealer. We say like the person that takes your breath away that you maybe weren't expecting. I was expecting Al Pacino to do a great job because he typically does. But this is an interesting character for him in a lot of ways. I think what's cool about Jimmy Hoffa is he is like. A lot of people who are famous in that he has that charisma he has that um just like high energy personality the kind of guy who walks into a room and instantly everybody's looking at them you know these people they're in your life um but what he conveyed really well that that i thought was excellent about it is that people who are like that also have this this uh like jekyll and hyde thing where when they're when the lights are on they are like all polish and show and smiles and winks and, and incredible. But when they're by themselves or when they're in a private setting, they're so insecure Yes. and they have so many fears and they're anxious. And, and it's part of, it's what comes with that life. And that was something I was not expecting them to portray for Jimmy Hoffa because, you know, he's very much in the organized crime business, Mm -hmm. but they did. And, and Al Pacino did an excellent job at doing that. And again, it's not in your face, which is key. It has to be subtle to feel real. And uh, Al Pacino did a great job. Even, even uh, you know, he he had the subtle parts locked down. He also had the loud bombastic in-your-face parts locked down to the point where none of it felt artificial. Um, so it had to be Al Pacino for me.
1: Excellent. I loved him.
0: All right. Let's move into Showstopper. What was it that really knocked your socks off about this production?
1: You know, the cinematography of this was familiar, yeah. To to Martin Scorsese, but also new and more artistic than, than I've seen him in the past. So I tallied it up. I have seen 10, for sure, Scorsese films. I need to go back. Them There might be more. He's done 26 uh, films, like debut full films, this being his longest runtime right here at three hours and 30 minutes. Yeah. His next longest one was Wolf of Wall Street, I believe at three hours, you know, no big deal, half an hour. Um, I really love the different tricks that he did. Some of what we've seen, some of what we've seen, but it's been modified. Um, Like just this crisp shot of of someone looking out an airplane window and you see the curvature of the window and you look like you're already leaving earth when you're still sitting on it. I thought that was a brilliant shot. Yeah. Um, just uh, that, again, that character looking out on the tarmac. There are these different blurbs. This is really fun. He's done this in past films where he puts text on the screen at completely random moments. And this was done so great. I, I just want to talk about this because you see blurbs throughout the movie of other mobsters that we don't really get to investigate or talk about but other mobsters and how they ended up dying. And usually it was a horrific way because they were either being kicked out of the mafia or they left the mafia or they crossed someone in the mafia. I loved that. Um, And then what was really special to me and this, this trick of storytelling more so than cinematography was there's a part in the movie where for a solid 30 minutes um, there is no background music played, Yeah, and I thought that was really incredible, because Martin Scorsese does a really good job of, usually there's, there's always a score going on from the moment the movie starts to the end, and to have this, this play out like that was really incredible, incredibly well-timed, and I just thought it was, again, his most artistic piece that I've seen to date.
0: So here's a question for you, because yeah. you
1: bring up the cinematography, This movie is on Netflix. Yes.
0: And um, so I I don't know this for certain, but I assume that at some point in the the process, he had to have funding, so it had to have been picked up by Netflix before he started making the movie, right? Or at some point during the production process, maybe he could have gotten fronters to start making production and then the rights got sold to Netflix. I don't know how that whole process goes down. But the question is, do you think the fact that he knew a bunch of people would be watching this on their home screens... Mm. affected his his shots and his direction of the film
1: that's a great question um i think it was i think it was a mixture right i think you, you definitely nailed it where he already had begun funding on this film a long time ago and he and then netflix poured the rest of it in i think it came out to be like 175 million dollars yeah. for the budget of this film uh i think that's a great question. I I don't know the answer to but it would be really impressive to know if that impacted how he I shot suspect
0: it. that it did. Yeah. I suspect that it did because while this movie was very cinematic in nature, um, and I was talking to Kevin at work about this today, you don't get the sense from the shots that he took that you were missing things from not having it in that wide form, that big giant wide format. Mm-hmm. It, it almost seemed like he was optimized for home viewing in yeah. a way. Uh, because a lot of the shots, um, I noticed a lot of the action was taking place near the center of the screen, mm-hmm. and even in those like, I guess you would call them like landscape shots or like some of those wider shots, um, you still have a lot brought towards the middle. So you wouldn't, you don't get the sense that you lost anything from watching at home. And I kind of wondered about halfway through this marathon of a movie, I started to wonder, did he direct this for Netflix? Like it's kind of an interesting thing.
1: Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Did you did you have like, you know, 60 inch TVs and 30 inch TVs and tablets and phones in mind rather than just the big screen?
0: Yeah, it, it does make me it does make me wonder. And I'll I'll get into it a little bit later in my director's shoes. But it, do, it does make me wonder about medium and, yeah. and not just medium, but where how you view it. And, and how that plays a role in the film. Well,
1: well, you know what? When Paul Rudd stops by, we'll have Marty come by too. Yeah. And we can just discuss well, this. Well,
0: we did, we did save a chair for Marty early on. Yes.
1: Uh, Marty, Paul Rudd, JJ, we're in good yeah, shape. Yeah, we'll just
0: have a little panel, a little, little talk. <laughs> that shouldn't be too hard to
1: arrange. I think it's fine. Yeah. We need a bigger table, but. For, yeah.
0: We will need a bigger table, but, you know, for them, we can make that up. <laughs> okay. My showstopper. I'm going with the narrative. I'm going with the narrative. Um, and obviously, uh, Steve, I have a hard time pronouncing his last name. There's a lot of consonants yep. in there, but it's some sort of Italian last name. Starts with an F. <laughs> now yep. let me let me, will you will you look that up for me Kirk, while I'm while I'm struggling here? Um, the writing of this movie was done by someone other than Martin Scorsese, but certainly with his guidance and it was very much a collaborative process. But this movie's three and a half hours long. The narrative has to be good. And while I didn't agree with all the choices, so let me let me clarify that comment. There are some things in here that are not plot essential. Can we agree on that? There are some there are some things that happen in the narrative that are not plot essential. They they are maybe you could argue character essential, but there are things that happen that are not plot essential.
1: Definitely character essential. And
0: Correct. so there are, there are things that happen that I was like, eh, three and a half hour runtime. Maybe this could have been a little shorter if they nicked that or nicked the other thing, but. It's consistent, right? It's it's very consistent. It's tight. It's flawless in terms of there's no inconsistencies. There's no weird chronological mix-ups or anything like that. Where he places things in the story makes exactly... It, it makes perfect sense. And how he's executing it makes sense for what he's doing. Like I said, everybody's going to watch this and have their own opinion. There were a few things where I was like, ah, I would have maybe cut this part out and done more on this or whatever but as far as what martin scorsese was trying to do he executed to a t i mean he dotted every i he crossed every t perfectly and he told the exact story that he wanted to tell which sometimes especially when you're making a big long movie Mm -hmm. you you see directors kind of get lost in the edit you know they're like fiddling and tinkering with it so much obviously martin scorsese is seasoned so i don't expect him to make that mistake but i am always impressed at how perfect his movies end up being at the end and this one is certainly no exception the narrative flows really well and by the end you're like okay i get the story you're trying to tell i dig it
1: good job steven Zalian or Zalian? Zalian, that's mm-hmm. what I was looking
0: for. I don't know why I thought it started with an S. But.
1: Screenwriter. Yeah, I I agree. I actually watched this twice since it came How out. How in the world? <laughs> uh, Are you I... still watching it for the second time as we speak on your iPad? Um, yeah, I'm on the last like 30 (laughs) minutes. I was going to say,
0: like, how is that possible?
1: (laughs) I'm watching it as we record this right now. Like, oh, look what just happened. Uh, yeah, I think that it was a very smooth narrative from start to finish. And it's really cool to watch it a second time because it's a little daunting going into a three and a half hour movie. You're like, okay, gotta get ready have to be mentally mentally prepared, have to be awake for this. It's good if you can watch this in one sitting. You'll be able to capture more of it in, a, in an appropriate way yeah. instead of having, like, the Mandela effect and be like, I think they did this in this movie, or I think they said this. Uh, so I I loved it. I thought it was a very strong narrative. For sure.
0: Um, let's go into director's shoes. Not to uh, – this is a – Big shoes to fill, if you will, Kirk. The, the big giant shoes of Martin Scorsese, who obviously knows a lot about film. But mm-hmm. now we have to critique him and yeah. see what we would change. No pressure.
1: No big deal at all. We're just as intelligent as him.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to brag, but I could probably do this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Irishman 2 coming to theaters. <laughs>
0: yeah. The Irishman 2. Frank's Revenge. <laughs> know, something like that. Oh,
1: I'd pay for that. Um, so this is t- this is tough because
0: yeah you can say that again
1: <laughs> this uh, you probably have the same one maybe you don't i don't know if i had to change something about this movie i would have not done the de-aging I okay th- i think it was incredibly distracting to the film interesting um i think that there are a couple so like we saw in it too they use some de-aging effects and it's popping up all over the place <laughs> of course gemini man did a little bit of it and that was terrible uh looked like the 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 graphics from N64's GoldenEye, yeah, you know, the villains. sure did. But the de-aging, I think it just didn't quite hit the mark for me um, because they do them in, in three different versions, you know, 30 years old, approximately, 50 years old, and then more currently, and then even a, even a later one for Frank, too. I just... It was... I got lost in it. I had to rewind certain scenes and play them again. Uh, that's why I had a better time watching it the second time through because the de-aging distracted me so much, you know, there, there've been so many films out there where they just cast an actor that looks like the actor acts like the, like the main character when they get to their adult role. And I think they could have done this, you know, dude, but imagine being
0: like, Hey, you're playing young Robert De Niro in this massive mob epic. Yeah.
1: Good luck. Yeah. You know, they've, They've done it though before. Um, what was it? Uh, Robert De Niro directed a film called A Bronx Tale.
0: Oh, true.
1: <laughs> and they they had they had this they had an incredible actor, um, and I and I forget his name because he actually ended up having real ties with the mafia. Um, and then he went to jail for several years. And I think he just got out like three years ago.
0: Wow, that's cool.
1: Pretty pretty rough art imitating life right there. <laughs> yeah, interesting. <laughs> uh, so, but I really think they could have cast other other actors uh, in this role instead of the de-aging. Or, I don't know, it, it, it frustrated yeah, me a little no, bit.
0: No, no, that's, that's an interesting take. And one that I probably expected to have, but it didn't bother me. Yeah. It, like it didn't, and, and I, I typically have my eye out for that stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's it's probably one of those situations where you're like expecting it to be bad. And then whenever it's not as bad as you thought, it, you lose focus on it. You're yeah. just like, yeah, okay.
1: Man, I think that was an issue with me sometimes when they were in the same time frame they looked completely different. Sometimes it would be de-aged Robert De Niro at 30, and then it would be de-aged Robert De Niro at 30 without the CGI effects, just with makeup. So th- oh, gotcha. that frustrated me. I'm like, wait a second. This is the same exact time period. We've lost the kind of the um, the filter that that the uh, special effects artists are doing on them, and we just have the makeup artist, which they have to work in conjunction, but you have to do both at the same time. Otherwise, it just it gets fuzzy.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um yeah, that one didn't stick out to me, but I think that's an absolutely fair critique. Obviously, uh, my director's shoes is the runtime. It's the runtime. Yep. I thought this movie was too long. Um, I'm bummed that I didn't see it in theaters. I'll be honest. I know yeah. I know that that one's on me and and not, um, not uh, Marty, but it's. It was a subpar watching experience. I my dogs were constantly having to go outside. <laughs> they had to eat. <laughs> I had to eat. You know, I as a As a parent of a small child, I have very limited windows in which I can watch such things. And I did so, uh, started it on Friday night while Jackie was hanging out with her friends and had taken Marshall with her. And I was like, okay, I'm going to try to squeeze this in before my basketball game. And didn't get there because there were all these different distractions. Yep. And uh, it killed the vibe for me a little bit. Not, Not a ton, not a ton. But I just, it was for that reason that as I started to see things that were going on in the movie, I was like, ah. I get what you're doing here, but it's not plot essential. Save save it, you know. And I I and and all due respect to Martin Scorsese, I want him to tell his story. Yep. And he told a great one, and it's it's beautifully woven. And I'm sure. I it wouldn't have the same effect if he cut out some of those character only build out moments, but. Uh, it may have killed my vibe a little bit just from it being too long. Sure. And so I wish it would have been. I wish it would have been shorter and I wish I would have gotten myself to the theater November 1st to go check this thing out. But um, it's a small critique, but it and and maybe I think people will hear it and be like, that's a lazy take. But <laughs> it's uh, it's true. It's I it was a bit
1: too long. For hey, me. it's a commitment. I mean, I was worried about end game at three hours. Yeah, sure. It's three hours. Yeah. And, um, it, you know, it was well organized and great. I, I mean, there are probably scenes in that, that you could shorten but three and a half hours yeah you got to be sure that the momentum is cranking the entire time
0: for sure and I think that I think that your warning um, of make sure you got the time shaved out to see this thing is is one that we should take heed of for sure as we you know if anybody hasn't seen this movie yet just take that criticism into mind because I think it can affect your watching experience in a in a fairly significant way
1: rumor has it that the director's cut is four hours <sighs> <laughs> and so I'm
0: and listen, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it because I'm sure it's excellent. And I real I'm one of these guys who's like, You gotta watch the extended edition Lord of the Rings. I dig it. Mm-hmm. But I watch it in one sitting. I think I did myself a disservice by doing this when the dogs were home and when I had other stuff going on, but um
1: yeah. Well, I'm, next Christmas you're getting the director's cut of the Irishman. <laughs>
0: hey, I will happily I will happily dig into that. And and Christmas is kind of the perfect time because there are plenty of times where like Jackie's like, Hey, since we're off, I'm gonna go do this thing. Mm-hmm. Or and and my parents are like, We wanna you know, we want some time with the kiddo. And so I can shave out time like that, but you know, when I'm juggling like week week weeknight responsibilities and all these other things, you know, it kinda gets kinda gets wild. So For make sure. sure you have the time. Set it out. Be like Saturday afternoon from 1 to 5. I'm watching The Irishman. Like, make it happen. Um, okay. Let's wrap this thing up and score it Your first. No pressure.
1: <sighs> Lots of pressure. That's a lie. <laughs> All the pressure. I, I really enjoyed this film. I was so excited to see. It was like getting the gang back together. I think during the filming, Al Pacino even said it was like making the movies in the 70s again. And... This was what I believe Al Pacino and Martin Scorsese's first film together. They've never done one before, Mm. which is crazy. Yeah,
0: crazy to think about. Crazy.
1: Uh, It's also really cool... You know, we, with these types of direct, directors have their pick of the crop, right? They say, this is the person I'm going to make my movie with, and they just do it. Um, Martin Scorsese did it with Robert De Niro forever. Now Leonardo DiCaprio is his guy. And I wonder if we'll, and actually we will see them together in an upcoming film. So lots of lots of even more good stuff to come. But for this film, big praise. The, the, the knockdown on my score is the de-aging completely. I loved every other moment of it. Uh, and so that is why I'm going to give this film a 9.8 kernels. Wow. Wow! zowie. Out of 10. Okay. All right. That's big. Big fan. That's big time.
0: That makes it your second highest score ever, right? That's Behind, right. And uh, Once Upon a Time. That's right. Hollywood. All right. Um, good score. I, I have lots of thoughts about this movie. I'm going to try to be quick. I think this movie lives up to the hype. I think it's every bit worthy of any accolades that get thrown its way i think it's probably my best picture frontrunner at the moment just based on what i've seen um not necessarily that it was my favorite movie that i watched but that it is one of the higher quality films that have come out this year and in recent memory i think that the story is excellent as i said i think the acting is great martin scorsese obviously it's always a directing master class when he's behind the camera he's a uh, He's a total genius, and this is no exception to his long history of excellent films. I'm giving this movie a 9.5. I always tick off a little bit of points if it's um, not original, Mm -hmm. you know, and this was an adapted screenplay, which obviously great stories deserve to be adapted for film, but I love an original story as well, so I gave it a couple ticks off for that, but 9.5, I think it's... Technically, a very well executed movie and near
2: perfect.
1: Yeah, there and what what's cool about this and it's adapted from a book called "I Heard You Paint Houses." Yes, which is a term in the mafia, uh, referring to hey, you kill people.
0: <laughs> or is it? Because there's some there's some some what? of the controversy. So the thing about this story that we didn't really get into is it. It's not necessarily true. It's it's one person's account. Mm-hmm. of what happened. Right. And so the I heard you paint houses part is actually one of the main reasons that they think it might not be true because it was a phrase that multiple people in, who had written about the mafia and mob historians had not heard.
1: Well, I think it's true. I mean, it's, it's one cool. of the coolest phrases. Yeah, it's it's obviously cool. Because killing people is cool. No. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is a it is
0: a cool phrase, but that is that is a, at the center of the controversy around this actually.
1: Well, I think that there are other more controversial parts for canon. sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure.
1: And yeah, they almost titled that. This was almost the title of the movie.
0: Yeah, they kind of did because at the end credits they say the irishman and then it says i heard you paint houses Mm -hmm. so it's almost like a subtitle in a way
1: i think it was kind of robert de niro was fighting for it and and i think martin scorsese knew that that couldn't be the title and so he says fine we'll put it right behind the beginning and right at the end (laughs) yeah (laughs) to appease you so i think
0: that's probably a good
1: good call i think so too i think the irishman is a better title for the film even though the book title is super cool
0: yeah and the title of the Irishman leads us directly into our top five. It does. Which is top five Irish people. That's right. Because, <laughs> again, we're shallow <laughs> and not smart. <laughs> and we just think, what, what could we possibly do? Irishman, Irish people. Got it.
1: Irish people. Irish people.
0: <laughs> and I'm going to pull the old switcheroo, Kirk. Oh. I'm hereby retiring top five as a segment. <sighs> That's right. It's gone top five is gone now before you throw things i know that top five is a favorite i know this but there's a better way to do this isn't there kirk oh yeah and so from henceforth this segment will be titled schoolyard pick and it's very similar to top five kirk and i are each going to pick a team of five people or things depending on what the what the category is that week Once something has been chosen, it cannot be chosen by the other person. So there's some strategery in here. There's some gamesmanship that will be going on. And I like this because we don't get repeats, which repeats kind of take the the wind out of our sails a little bit. Mm -hmm. And we have to be a little bit more tactical with our approach. Yes. So are you ready for the first ever schoolyard pick? Yes it's my turn to go first dang it yep it's i go first because (laughs) remember what happened was i went first twice on reviews and this was your second time going first on reviews and whoever goes first on reviews goes first or goes second on the top five which is now called schoolyard pick so i get to go first on the very first ever schoolyard pick go ahead all right the first irish person i'm choosing this is tough oh this is tough Got to go with Sersha Ronan. I knew it. And I have to because there's not very many females. There's, there's not, not very many famous Irish females. So I knew she was going to be a hot commodity. Had to scoop her up off the board. Also, Sersha, you're incredible. You were great in the Grand Budapest Hotel. You were great in Brooklyn. You were great in, uh, what's the Greta Gerwig one from last year, Lady Bird? hmm oh, Love Lady Bird. Even though I forgot the title of it, I love that movie <laughs> so much. And you're in Little Women, which I'm certain will be incredible, and I am so glad to have you on my team, Sersha. That's my first pick.
1: Yes, Atonement, The Lovely Bones. Oh
0: yeah, dude. I for, I always forget that she was in The Lovely Bones. Yes. Which man, that's messed up.
1: Really messed up because she was well. And Atonement, she was really little. Atonement's
0: <laughs> a great film, though. It, it
1: is. It is great, but the subject matter. When yeah. You, sometimes I watch films and I see like these kids that are in them, like ooh. You're like, yeah, that's a little steep. Like they're gonna be messed up for a while.
0: Yeah. Well, you know um. When we reviewed Dr. Sleep, I I read a lot about The Shining, and the kid who played um, Danny Torrance Mm -hmm. in The Shining didn't know that it was a horror film. Oh. They spent most of their, they spent every time that he was on set, like, making it not feel like a horror film.
1: No idea how they did that. Okay, what about the creepy lady from 237?
0: I know, and he has to, like, scream.
1: Maybe, Maybe he didn't see her. I don't know.
0: I, I doubt he saw her, so I definitely doubt he saw her. But yeah. I don't know how they got him to make scary faces without it being like a scary movie. I don't. Yeah. I don't get the logistics of that.
1: Sidebar. Yep. So but
0: maybe they did that with Sersha in some way.
1: Which you know, sometimes when you're really messed up in the head, it makes you a great actor. So sure. I'll take that They're every just day.
0: Conditioning her for that.
1: My number. Oh, do f- we say five? No, no.
0: Your first pick.
1: My first pick. Whew.
0: In The schoolyard, schoolyard, I'm so uh, sorry, schoolyard pick. Yeah.
1: So used to the old ways. I know. I've got to go with Sir Kenneth Branagh. Uh,
0: ah, it's a good one.
1: Mine for the taking.
0: Writer, director, actor
1: extraordinaire. Everything. Uh, Kenneth Branagh directed the first Thor, which people don't give it enough credit, and we wouldn't. Yeah, have, I agree. We wouldn't have Thor without that introduction the way he did it it was it was beautiful um even if you didn't like it go back and watch it and you'll appreciate it more he played hamlet he played um, benedict in much ado about nothing he's a huge shakespeare um genius and uh, advocate and one of the reasons why i love shakespeare so much because i am part irish and he is full irish and so i look up to him i feel like if yeah. i uh, i feel like if i shaved my beard i might look like him we'll see Maybe it's can, possible. Maybe I could do a side-by-side. He was
0: in Dunkirk. Yes. He was in uh, the Murder on the Orient Express. He mm-hmm. actually directed that and starred in it. Yep. He played Hercule Poirot. So. Crazy name. He's an ambitious guy. And he, he, you know what? He delivers. And he's on my team. You can't pick him. I know. I'm jealous. I am. But I get picked number two. And I'm going to go with C.S. Lewis, the acclaimed writer of uh, the Chronicles of Narnia He's a writer of many, many other things, but the Chronicles of Narnia are awesome. (laughs) Yep. And he was good friends with J.R.R. Tolkien, who is also one of the greatest writers of all time. And I just thank him for his contribution of the Chronicles of Narnia, and I want the Chronicles of Narnia on my team, most notably Aslan.
1: And also notably, the Chronic what Calls of Narnia. That's right.
0: The Chronic what Calls of Narnia. (laughs) Yeah. So, C.S. Lewis for the win.
1: That's a strong, strong choice. Um,
0: yeah, I'm getting literary on you, Kirk.
1: Are we gonna like battle these people together? I hope so. I like my team so far. Like, what if we like put their faces on little bouncy balls and like chuck them at one another and just see?
0: I mean, it sounds time-consuming, but it would be worth it. <laughs>
1: every every week we do this. <laughs>
0: <laughs> hey, whatever you want to do, Kirk. I'm I'm for
1: it. Perfect. You just have to agree, otherwise, I'm going to be throwing um, a bunch of bouncy balls at you without your consent. And I think that's illegal. My second pick is going to be... Okay, so I watched this Netflix show, going back to Paul Rudd. Yeah, sure. <laughs> called Living With Yourself. Uh-huh. And there is an Irish actress on there, and her name is Aisling B. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Wow. Okay. And she did an incredible job on this on this show. I hope there's a season two. I would love to see more more of what she has and she brings to the table, and... That i really don't know of what else she's been in but i was really excited from the moment she came on screen and was able to um, play opposite of paul rudd you know sometimes it's intimidating to play opposite of people who've been in the biz and have been in the spotlight for a while yeah and she for sure. had she had zero issue with it so gonna go with aisling b okay good pick
0: i mean i think you could have made that pick later because i don't even know who that person is but <laughs> uh yeah it's a good one it's a good one thank you you have left the door open though kirk that's a dang it here. And I've got a whole list of Irish people here that I cannot wait to choose. Um, Let's see. Oh, now now I've got paralysis by options here. (laughs) Who do I go with? I'm going to go with Sam Neill because I love Jurassic Park. Yeah, he's great. And uh, Jurassic World 3 is coming out soon, and he's going to be in it, along with Laura Dern, who's exceptionally awesome, Mm -hmm. and uh, Jeff Goldblum. Also awesome. Yes. So, yeah, Sam Neill for the win just because he's like – he knows a lot about dinosaurs and stuff. And I'm – I guess I'm mostly taking uh, Dr. Oh, – what's his name? I can't remember. Oh, man. I sound like a bad fan now. I don't remember.
1: Yep. But
0: that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Though I like Sam Neill. I really enjoyed his uh, cameo in Thor Ragnarok. That was pretty funny.
1: Oh, yes. Yes, indeed. He was actually a long time ago in a TV – mini series called Merlin and he played Merlin and he did an excellent job. I watched it when I was a kid and I still can't find if it's streaming anywhere, but bravo to you, Sam Neil. My next pick. Gotta go with Colin Farrell. Oh. OG Irish man. Yeah. He he's just you know, I've talked about him before on the podcast about how he's just a sleeper pick. You know, he came in he came in hot and heavy uh, into the the mainstream world of cinema and and had some big flops, and then went back to the indie world, and did, is doing some incredible things. I'm always rooting for Colin Farrell. I think he's fantastic, and I want to on my team. And now he is.
0: Yeah, congratulations, Doctor Grant. By the way, that's the name that Dr. I was looking Grant. for. I don't know how I forgot that, but yeah, Colin Farrell is a good pick. Um, so I have two more picks left. I think so. Okay, I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to go actors the rest of the way here. Okay give me Killian Murphy dang <laughs> it, of Peaky Blinders fame. And he also plays the scarecrow and he's incredible in, in that and in Batman Begins. And I guess the other two also, yeah, he appears in all three of those movies. Actually. He does. Yep. So uh, Peaky Blinders is really good and he's in that and he does an awesome job. And he, he pulled, he was like one of the first people to like bring that haircut back that everybody has now, myself included, where it's like really short on the sides and uh-huh. right on top. Um, I remember watching that show in college and then going to my barber and saying, I want the Peaky Blinders haircut. (laughs) And uh, he was like, say no more. (laughs) (laughs) Say no more, fam. And so, yeah, thank you, Killian Murphy, for the haircut that I still have to this day and for your awesome performances. He's just really, he's good in everything. He was in that movie, Red Eye. You ever see that movie? Oh,
1: yeah. Him and uh, Rachel McAdams. Yeah, that was Mm -hmm. a good one. It was. Creepy. Very creepy.
0: Yeah. So Killian Murphy, I'll take him.
1: Okay. We've got. I have now have two picks. He was off. in Dunkirk, too. He sure was. And he was great. Short lived, but good. He doesn't. And he was in that zombie movie. What was it? What's the big zombie movie that he's in? It was early on in his career.
0: Oh. 28,
1: 28 days, days later. yeah. Yep. 28 mm-hmm. days later, yeah. Yep, he is in that, and it's crazy. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go with. <sighs> This is hard. This is hard. I need to. I need to do a, a fact check real quick because I put someone on my list and now I'm not positive Uh-oh. that they are that they are Irish. I need. I need a blood test. I need a 23andMe. Uh oh. Um, I think that it's going to be correct, and it. I'm not sure, so I'm gonna skip that one. I'm gonna go with <laughs> Martin McDonough. Ah. <laughs>
0: I should have taken him. Yes. I should have taken him
1: sooner, Kirk. Mr. Martin McDonough is a playwright and director extraordinaire. He uh, is the director of Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri. He also directed, wrote and directed um, In Bruges, one of my absolute favorite movies, also starring, wait for it, Colin Farrell. And it goes way back, my love for him goes way back to when he wrote a, a little play called The Pillow Man which is an extraordinary play. It's got like only four or five characters and it will haunt your dreams for the rest of your life, but it is so well done. Uh, I just can't say, I can't say any bad things about it because it's, it's just incredible. So I got Martin McDonough and you're going down because he's crazy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's one of these guys who um, pops into the world of like cinema and, and, just does like a few projects here and there and they're all like incredible. Yep. It's like, that's not fair. Like (laughs) even really good directors and stuff have their misses and he's just like, Oh, let me just write a couple of masterpieces. No big deal. (laughs) Let me just drop uh, three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri on you real quick
1: out of nowhere.
0: Yeah. It's incredible. He's incredible. I wish I would have chosen him and I'm very jealous, but I'm left with one, (sighs) one pick. And I'm going with, dom hall gleason solid because i like dom hall gleason despite the fact that he was in the kitchen and he was very bad <laughs> <in it. laughs> he was
1: very bad, <laughs> bad he might have been the best actor though in the movie that's true it just the writing couldn't save him
0: it, the writing was horrible um my favorite dom hall gleason moment well first of all he's in um that horrifying ex machina movie mm-hmm. and that movie scarred me for life not because it's like I mean it is scary, but it's not like scary in like a I can't sleep at night kind of kind of way. It's scary in like a yeah we're all gonna die <laughs> at the hands of artificial intelligence at some point. And he's in that movie. He's mm-hmm. very good. He's in Star Wars, of course. He plays uh um <sighs> why am I just <laughs> terrible with names? But he's basically like Snoke's. He's General Hux. Thank you. Yep, there it is. Thank you, my own brain. Thanks for working for once. (laughs) Um, And he, in number seven, The Force Awakens, he screams at that crowd. (laughs) And I love it. I love it. Because, like, I don't think that's overacting there. No. I think it's, like, they're they're kind of painting them in the light of, like, the Third Reich. I mean, he's, like, screaming to this army of effectively terrorists. Like, that's what the stormtroopers are. And I thought it was good, man. I thought it elevated Star Wars. I thought it was like, let's make this a little more serious. These are high stakes, and this guy's nuts. Yes. I think he's good in that. Um, He's in this crazy movie with Michael Fassbender. Oh, dang it. Michael Fassbender's (laughs) Irish, too. No, Kirk. (laughs) Dang it. Stay tuned. Anyway, he's in this movie where uh, Michael Fassbender's character wears a paper mache head all the time. That's right. I watched that movie when I had the stomach flu and I was like, what in the world is happening? Is yes. this movie actually this weird or do I just have a fever? What's that movie called again? Um,
1: it's just like the first name of someone like Paul. Frank. Or Frank. Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Paul. Yes. I'm just going to keep going with first yeah, names. It's, uh,
0: it's Frank. Yeah. And
1: uh, that movie is a trip. Our producer, Ryan Spriggs, is a big fan of it. I have not watched it myself.
0: It's a good movie. When I watched it, I was like, again, had like a 102 fever and I was like, what is happening to me?
1: Probably made it a little bit more trippier.
0: It definitely did. <laughs> I don't even know if I actually saw the real movie or if I saw parts of it, fell asleep and imagined the rest yeah. of it. I have no idea.
1: <laughs> All right. My final pick. I'm going to surprise you.
0: Are you not going are you going to leave Michael Fassbender on the board?
1: <clears throat> on the board. Oh. He's going to be left and we got to come up with something what we call them who's left on the playground. The there. leftovers. The leftovers. I like that HBO show <laughs> with Justin Thoreau. Yeah. <laughs> um I'm going to go with Mr. Bond himself, Pierce Brosnan.
0: Ah, uh, Pierce Brosnan.
1: Yes indeed. Fun fact about Pierce Brosnan, he was considered for a role in The Irishman.
0: Oh, I would have not seen it. <clears throat>
1: I also agreed (laughs) when Joe Pesci, Joe Pesci reportedly turned down returning to acting 50 times. He said, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this movie. I'm retired. I'm done. He reportedly told Martin Scorsese 50 times that he wasn't doing it. when that was all up in the air, Robert De Niro was then going to play the role of Russell and they would have had Pierce Brosnan or someone else play the role of Frank Sheeran.
0: I don't like any of that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I, would be very miscast i i would agree yes even with the the sketchy de-aging in my opinion some people may love it Uh, i think that robert de niro would be the only person who could do that not not a de-aged pierce brosnan because in a way he's kind of like paul red he doesn't age
0: yeah it's true i here's a not so fun fact about pierce brosnan Ooh. um he's a huge jerk he's a big fat jerk (laughs) and you want to know how i know i'll tell you how i know a (laughs) kirk Because I saw Pierce Brosnan. I was in Maui. Humble brag. I was in Maui. (laughs) I was on a family vacation in Hawaii. I was very fortunate to be there. But as we're walking, so uh, the Maui Film Festival was going on while we were there. He had a film at said festival. Uh, Myself and my sister in law, Lindsay, were very excited about the potential to see celebrities at while we were vacationing in Maui, we thought this is probably going to happen. We were so excited. Yeah. Didn't happen the whole time we were there. But then we got to the airport, we're leaving and who is about 30 feet in front of us. But Mr. Bond himself, Pierce Brosnan. I was like, Holy smokes. I love James Bond. I got to go get a photo with Pierce or, or just say, Hey, or whatever. Right. And so I'm like, but, and Jackie's like, you know, go talk to him, go talk to him, go talk to Pierce Brosnan. Tell him you're, tell him you're a fan. And I said, you know, I don't like to bother these guys. I don't really – anytime I see a celebrity, I get a little bit spooked by it. The time would have to be just right in order for me to do it. He'd have to be, like, by himself, not getting mobbed by a bunch of people, what have you. So kind of, like, hanging out in the terminal, and I see he and whoever he was – with. I don't know if he's married, if it was his wife or whoever, but um, she goes into the bathroom. He's waiting outside. He's, like, scrolling Instagram or something. Mm -hmm. And I was like – you know what, now would be a very non-intrusive moment. I could just go introduce myself, tell him I'm a big fan, say my piece. So I'm like, hey, Mr. Brosnan, hate to bother you, but just wanted to let you know I'm a big fan. I was wondering if you might have time for a photo. Phrased it just like that. That's perfect. He doesn't look up, Kirk. He doesn't look up. He doesn't even look up at me. (laughs) Okay, he's sitting down. He says, nah, man, not right now. And that's it. Oh. And I was like, you know what? You, and and let, let me be clear. If you're a celebrity, feel free to like turn down a photo. But I, here's what I'll tell you. It was a, not a very crowded airport. He wasn't getting mobbed by a bunch of people. He, was, he clearly wasn't busy. He just, he was scrolling his phone.
1: What if he was saving
0: the world? No, he wasn't doing anything. (laughs) And so I thought, you know what? This, I'm being very conscientious of his time. And really, I'm just, I'm making a simple request like, hey, big fan, would love to get a photo. Mm -hmm. And if if he said, if he looked me in the eyes and said, oh, you know what? I'm, you know, we're getting ready to head out. It's not, not right now, but thanks. I appreciate your support or something like that. I would have been totally cool. Don't need the photo. It's whatever. But to not even look up and to be like, nah, man, not right now, I was devastated. And I was like, you know what? Screw you, Pierce Brosnan. It's
1: painful. Yeah. That's Jerk. painful. This Jerk. is me kicking his chair over. Good.
0: Yeah, that makes me feel better. Thanks, Kirk.
1: Hope you could hear that.
0: <laughs> All the way in Maui, <laughs> Pierce. Right. So anyway, there's my Pierce Brosnan story. I uh, And for that reason, I'm not a fan of him. Man, man
1: I'm really glad that they had... um robert de niro win this otherwise we wouldn't have been able to watch this yes
0: you can have him kirk you can have him for your
1: stupid list
0: (laughs) (laughs) well let's see how you
1: feel when he's on the the (laughs) bouncy ball i'm pelting you (laughs) with pierce it'll probably hurt as
0: much as the time that he didn't even bother to look up (laughs) from his
1: phone at me physical and emotional (laughs) pain yeah
0: now i'm gonna go cry on the floor (laughs) all right that is a wrap on our very first time doing schoolyard pick let us know what you think are you like hey we want top five back too bad it's not. It's not coming back. I, I've decided this is done. I've decided this. This is over. So feel free to tell me, but it's gonna fall on deaf ears. Um, but yeah, let us know if, if who who we should have drafted. I know Michael Fassbender is a juicy honorable mention that we should have picked up. But if there's any other Irish people that we should have called out?
1: Yeah, you know, I, there's one that I want to call. You know that creepy lady from uh, from the others and like the mom figure from oh, Four yeah, Brothers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got a crazy name, Fianula Flanagan. Mm-hmm. she's she's Irish. Just wanted to throw that Irish name all out right. at you. Great. But I can't pronounce.
0: <laughs> so we'll put her on the leftovers list. It's her and Michael Fassbender. Yes. <laughs> Great job. Um, all right. That is a wrap on this episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We've got just a few episodes left in the year, Kirk. Uh, next time around, we're going to be reviewing Marriage Story. I can tell you that because we've both already seen it, and I'm dying to review it. Yes, indeed. Dying to talk to you all about it. So gives you a whole week to check it out on Netflix. I highly encourage that you do so so you can be prepped and ready to go for next week's episode.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, other than that, we are two weeks away from our Star Wars premiere. Is it even that? I think it's 10 days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, sure enough. We're yeah. 10 days we're, away. We're almost a week away. We're getting there. So Kirk and I are getting all prepped. We've been working on trivia. We we were just talking right before we started recording about the trivia prizes. We're very excited. Um, so we'll have all the details on when you should arrive and all of those things next week whenever we chat. But just keep that uh, keep that in mind. We got that coming up. Otherwise, thanks for listening to this episode. We really enjoyed having it. We had a good time. And if you have any hot takes that you want to share with us following this episode, if you watch The Irishman, just remember we're always here to chat on social and uh, we want to hear from you. Other than that big thank you to ryan spriggs who helps us produce this podcast as always and to ryan spriggs and brendan Aristed for our awesome theme music we will see you all next week
1: talk to you then
0: you all cut up and (laughs) what yeah that was a big mistake big mistake huge
1: (laughs) the fart noise was not because you were doing a bad job it was to take the pressure off of you no yeah it was good not like i was sitting here thinking this is
0: garbage (laughs) this is farts
1: just need to clarify (laughs) it's
0: okay if if you were doing that i'd be okay with it because i deserve it
1: you go home tonight jackie's you're like kirk was really mean to me when we recorded today
0: right